technology shapes and influences every aspect of our lives today, and we're only beginning to scratch the surface of understanding how it will radically change the way we live and work in the future. Coming up... I don't think anyone can actually say right now we've defined exactly how this is going to play out, and it depends on... I think the usage of what we want the metaverse to be, there might be different ways to think about it, whether it's a fully digital, virtual type environment that we act upon, or is it more where we're overlaying digital onto the physical world and we're creating kind of more of that um, synergy between those two worlds as well. You're listening to the Future Rhythmic Podcast with Michael Hainsworth, a Nokia original series. Twenty one marked the year we really got good at working from home. But for Jason Elliott, the head of Cross Portfolio Solutions Partners and Ecosystems Marketing at Nokia, it was about more than just learning how to work through a global pandemic. This was the year we began to make big strides in some of the most urgent issues of the 21st century, such as climate change. And it was the year Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg introduced your mom to the term metaverse. You already knew all about it, didn't you? But it was also the year we began to leverage the power of 5G to bridge the digital divide. Elliot says, you can summarize the year that was with the three C's, challenges, collaboration, and connections. Connections, I think, is probably one of the most important of those three C's, Michael, because when you think about 2021, I think many people now have been reconnecting, I would say, uh, and rebuilding those connections, both Uh, through travel, um, uh, obviously with some restrictions, being able to be physically in the same space with people now and sharing um, that face-to-face contact. But also there's continuing reliance on digital connectivity to ensure that people are still meeting with each other, uh, both professionally and personally as well. And I think it's interesting to see just how more mature a much broader set of individuals uh, across the globe have become uh, in the use of their digital technologies to be able to connect with people. And, and that's really uh, amazing that, 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 you know, an unfortunate situation has brought about uh, an incredible um, focused kind of activity in terms of pushing everyone online and finding ways to, to collaborate digitally, which is amazing. So 2021 was filled with the challenges, as you've sort of intimated here. They were personal, they were national, and they were global. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think that there's been some incredibly, you know, immense challenges here that, that, that really kind of, you know, both kind of affect us kind of personally in terms of obviously our health and, and making sure that, that everybody's well, um, and, and when you look at that, that also transpires to kind of more at the country level in terms of how you manage um, that, that kind of situation, the, the, these big challenges like that. And, and it, the fact that it doesn't just stretch kind of within the country, but it stretches across borders as well. And, and that's been very apparent. And we've seen the impacts of that and, and making sure that, that we manage and are conscious of that, I think, is very, very important. And then... At a global level as well, 
Uh, this is very, very much coming to focus towards the latter half of this year from a global perspective is, is really talking about climate change and, and environmental aspects as well. And, and that's really been brought to the forefront. So that's kind of more a global level. And additionally, obviously, one of the negative side effects we've had through the pandemic this year is the impacts it, ha- it, it has had on us to do business in terms of those supply chains as well. So that's kind of definitely uh, a global effect that, that people, in, in terms of a challenge, have been trying to grapple with as well. And I guess that ties into the collaboration front as well. We learned, as you point out, how to work together during a global pandemic. But you also brought up an interesting point. It's also valuable when it comes to addressing one of the most urgent issues of the 21st century, climate change. So we learned how to work through the pandemic. But what lessons can CSPs learn from climate activists such as Greta Thunberg? Yeah, I think this is very important for um, service providers to pay attention to. Um, so, so their customers who are starting to come of age in terms of coming to the workforce, like the millennials now, and then obviously uh, Gen Z as well, really kind of speak with their wallets in terms of, you know, thinking about the moral decisions that they have to make when they're purchasing goods and services. And, and they really are kind of like the next generation of consumers they're very much empowered by the choices they have and they recognize the impact they can have. Uh, and the, the other interesting thing is they are digital native or digital masters. They've grown up with this technology and you combine that with the fact that they are very so- socially astute. Um, we always see this type of generation, the college grads, that they, they always seem to be a catalyst to affect huge amounts of change. And I think uh, climate is one of those uh, topics that I think is very, very important to them. And it's very Im- important that the way they think about it and, and how it affects them. And that's why companies and, and service providers specifically also need to think about kind of what is their uh, environmental sustainability goals and objectives? Like how are they helping overall? And and when you think about this digital native generation, um, they're more about kind of not owning like specific assets, but they're much more into kind of like the sharing economy and more about experiencing things as well. And that's going to play a a huge role in their decision of what types of goods and products they want to purchase, first of all, and and what types of experience they want to have, um, as long as uh, that it's done kind of more in an ethical, social, responsible manner. And, and they will kind of really kind of choose with their wallets, you know, which companies they really want to kind of be able to do business with in the future. One of my favorite observations, to your point about how it's the college kids today who are entering the workforce, making great change because they have these opinions and that it generally from generation to generation, it's always been that younger generation pushing to make change. But the big difference between a millennial today and a hippie from the 1960s and the 1970s, who also had a huge concern about the environment, the big difference between those two generational activists was communications. The hippies didn't have a global system to organize and share their views the way today's generation does. Absolutely. And and th- this shows you um, just, just from the, the, the types of tools and capabilities that are available um, to this, this younger generation now, they are using it to great effect, very, very positively. 
And as they start to not use this just for social use, but actually as they enter the workforce and they start thinking about how they're going to uh, collaborate with their colleagues within a company, across companies, I, I think, and kind of, you know, going back to the connection piece and the collaboration piece, this is where it all really comes together is the fact that, you know, they they have this incredible view from a digital perspective, a very fresh perspective on this, and they want to kind of really act upon that change. And these digital tools will help them iterate on that much, much faster than they have before. So I suppose this also ties in on the topic of collaboration, of the blending of physical and digital as a big story for 2021. Yeah, and and I think we we will continue to see this. And and this isn't necessarily something new. Uh, I think we've we've seen this over a period of time since, you know, um, the birth of the telephone and the internet. You know, the ability to... Uh, connect and transmit data and information rather than having physical assets or physical capability to do to do that is something that's always been happening over a period of time but it's just the sheer acceleration and broad accessibility of the technologies that are available to be able to do that that's really bringing this to what i would say is a tipping point where we're now seeing this blending of physical and digital that really transcends uh, the boundaries that we're really used to and, and the way that we've been operating with each other, both from a personal perspective and, and um, also professionally as well. And that it's not just about kind of the individual communications, but even to be able to kind of just do normal daily activities, whether you're um, ordering goods and services and basic necessities online or whether you're actually wanting to conduct business uh, with companies and maybe to, you know, operate your critical operations within your enterprise, you have to have this level of connectivity and this blending of digital and physical to be able to control machines, to be able to control your environment. So you can continue to operate no matter where you are uh, or what resources that you have available. And I think that's that's becoming more and more apparent and coming into focus as we've seen this year and will continue to accelerate as these technologies evolve over time. Which made it funny to me that Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook stood up in front of the world and said, we're coming up with this thing called the metaverse. And the rest of us geeks in the background were like, well, well, wait a minute, you didn't come up with this. We've been working on this for years now. And there's a whole bunch of related technologies, including 5G and IoT and near uh, cloud technologies that are making this possible. It's not Facebook that's making the metaverse. Everybody else is. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting to kind of take a bit of a step back. I mean, the word metaverse actually kind of means beyond the universe. Right. And and. That in itself is a very big, bold statement, right? There's a whole universe out there, and that's the way I think we should be thinking about it. The announcement recently that was made in the news and the media, I mean, I believe it's brought this topic into focus, and it's actually brought it to a much broader audience. So in that sense, I think it's very good. But you have to recognize that that there are other platforms out there, such as Minecraft, Roblox, etc., that have already established significant followings. And even if you look at these gaming platforms as well, they're also um, forms of kind of like the metaverse as well. 
And I don't think anyone can actually say right now we've defined exactly how this is going to play out. And it depends on, I think, the usage of what we want the metaverse to be. There might be different ways to think about it, whether it's a fully digital, virtual type environment that we act upon, or is it more of where we're overlaying digital onto the physical world and we're creating kind of more of that um, synergy between those two worlds as well. What's interesting to see is that most of the large tech companies now, whether you're talking about the the platforms from a cloud perspective, the connectivity in terms of what the service providers play, um, also kind of from an infrastructure perspective, what the wireless and, and, and wireline communication systems need to do is, is build the, the connective tissue and the platforms associated with this to create that universe, that, that way that we can operate um, together in a very, very large scale. And that's the key thing here is making sure that these technologies can scale and we can do this uh, and provide the best possible customer experience because that's what's been the limiting um, boundary or barrier, if you like, to date. We've only been able to do it in certain types of platforms or in certain ways. And I think that's what the technology will allow us to do now, that the advancements that are making both not just in those cloud platforms and the connectivity, but also devices as well. They're becoming much more mature, much easier to use, more accessible. And and it's the convergence of all those things together that will really kind of explode what we're, we're, we're deeming the metaverse today. Yeah, I think a lot of people assume that when we talk about the metaverse, we're talking about virtual reality. But the reality of VR is that for every dollar that's invested in VR, we're expecting to invest $10 in augmented reality. We don't want to block out the real world. We want to add to it and the metaverse is part of that. But how do we avoid the metaverse simply becoming yet another virtual mall? How must tech leadership and investment build something bigger and better? There's a couple of ways in terms of making sure, and and this is the great thing about the internet as well, right? Is there... There has been a a lot of work done in terms of across different segments of the technology industry to make sure there's commonality of of working and the way different types of technology pieces fit together. And and I think it's very, very important. We're at a big fork in the road here, I think, to think about what do we want this platform to be? Is it just purely for social use? Do we want it to be for more business and enterprise use? How would that be applied? And I think that's one of the things that the the technology companies really kind of need to start thinking about. I mean, obviously, uh, along with other things like security and privacy, which are are very, very important if we want people to do wide scale adoption of this. But again, it's, it's making sure that we do continue to collaborate in the forums that we have to, to build that very wide platform. I see 5G as uh, an infrastructure that's critical to the success of the metaverse. But before this low latency, high bandwidth technology is fully leveraged, it has to be introduced. It's being rolled out. Would you say 2021 was the year of 5G or is that a 2022 story? It, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. We always talk about, is this the year of 5G? It's always going to happen in phases. And I think the way you can talk about the phase of 5G of this year was a very wide expansion that would enable a much more broader audience to adopt and actually use 5G, which is really good, which is exactly 
what we wanted to do. You know, we've got more spectrum availability. There are more devices out there. There's been a, you know, a very good uptick in terms of, like I said, the availability of the technology and the networks to a broader consumer. Um, these additional devices that are getting developed and the different use cases in terms of not just the traditional uh, mobile phone, tablet, um, smartphone type of activity, but also things for broadband access into the premises, whether it be a home using fixed wireless access um, or a small business uh, using that technology as well. And, and again, we've seen a lot of work around this uh, supported by various governments around the world to, to build um, and bridge the digital divide, which I think is very, very important. And we're seeing 5G playing a role in that. And I think that's very, very important to look at. You know, it's not just about the traditional consumer model, but it's how we can actually improve uh, lives and actually get more people connected so they have more equal access to uh, markets, healthcare opportunities overall as well. So that's that's a, the great story, I think, of 5G this year. It's really starting to kind of broaden out a little bit more. Yeah, and then we get release 16, release 17 of 5G. We're talking about network slicing now and the ability to have enterprises take advantage of this technology in ways that they just can't right now. Uh, meantime, the vaccine rollout, there's a key news story for 2021. I don't think many people are aware, though, of how the success of mRNA-based vaccines have laid the groundwork for the development of a whole bunch of emerging technologies. Yeah, this is very interesting because um, not not just in terms of connectivity, but the way that we think about how we can actually use technology to augment our abilities. Uh, so this is, starts to talk about, you know, um, artificial intelligence, already AI or specifically machine learning to help us accelerate the solution to very complex challenges whether that would be developing a new drug for, you know, a vaccine, um, whether it be to, you know, automate um, a network or a business process, um, identify new types of data sets. And, and this is very, very important because I think, you know, the algorithms that are, are actually being put into place to be able to kind of scale uh, machine learning and the data models around that is something that we're, again, starting to kind of understand and, and bring into focus a little bit more. And it will be very fundamentally important not just to use this technology for, um, you know, connectivity services and technology on its own, but to solve these very complex challenges related, whether it's to do with healthcare uh, or climate as well. And, and that's the important role things like algorithms and machine learning will play in the future. All right, as my fellow sci-fi geek, tell me, TV's Captain Kirk blasting off into actual space 53 years after Star Trek first aired? Yeah, I think this is a fantastic, heartwarming story. It really is. I, I mean, to, 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 see, to see those pictures, to see those images, those videos of that, it, it really brought it back to me that, you know, anything really is possible. You know, we're breaking all sorts of boundaries here in terms of what's what what we're capable of doing um you know and using a combination of like technologies to kind of take us to to new limits that that we've not been able to reach before and and i think the embodiment of that was that that moment in time and, and again 
Um, you know, there are lots of others out there that are they're, they're working through the space race as well for, for lots of different reasons. But again, it's I think it's another huge milestone um, in, in the development um, and, and showcasing, again, how technology can be brought to bear to do some incredibly fantastic groundbreaking achievements. Speaking of which, didn't NASA select Nokia to build the first ever cellular network on the moon? Yes, yeah, th- this is this is an incredible um, opportunity, I think, again, um, in, in looking at how we can use communications technologies, uh, literally not on our own planet, but um, looking to kind of do this for um, working with NASA and intuitive machines uh, to really look at how we can create cellular communications to support communications between the lander um, and the rover that will be on the moon. And, and what, what this is teaching us is if we can build equipment and technology and send it to the moon and operate it in a very, very harsh environment, this really kind of is telling us that, well, we should be able to do any of this on here on Earth, even in the toughest environments we have here. So, for example, when we're, we're thinking about connectivity in uh, a mine or other kind of hazardous locations with, with chemicals and hazardous production environments, this, this is kind of providing us with an incredible set of learning experiences to build networks here on Earth that are very resilient in the has- most hazardous environments that are really going to help us increase uh, safety for those that, that operate in those hazardous environments, um, increase productivity uh, overall, and and make us more efficient as well. So uh, yeah, it's an incredibly important project. Again, gonna gonna break a lot of um, m- milestones here, but also sets um, a very good kind of precedent in terms of how we can think about deploying networks here on Earth as well in those very very challenging environments. Meantime, while most are thinking about 5G, Nokia is already leading the EU 6G project. Yeah, and, and before we even get to even talking about 6G, we've still got the evolution of 5G. And, and um, you know, we're starting to think about what we're, what we're going to be calling 5G Advance, uh, which is the next iteration from the, the current releases that we have. And, and, you know, there's already work underway um, to facilitate that as well. And, and there'll be some, you know, fantastic enhancements in 5G Advance that will uh, lay the groundwork as we start to talk about um, what we're doing with 6G. And obviously, um, that work in terms of the discussions of what the research areas should be for 6G has already started. Uh, There's the HEXA-X project, which is the EU-funded project as well, uh, of which um, Nokia is the, um, the, the, the leader of that overall project. And it's very exciting just to see Right now, the, the the types of conversations we're having in terms of um, setting the groundwork for what 6G will be in the future, and we can we can take a step back and actually already see how we're building uh, the blocks through 5G, 5G Advanced um, on the road to 6G, of which we will move beyond obviously blending just physical and digital, but also physical, digital and biological worlds in, in the future when we start talking about 6G. So really exciting times and, and, and a lot to look forward to over the coming years. Wait a minute, back up, back up, back up. Are you talking about spearheading the singularity biological? <laughs> I think it's more about um, making sure that uh, 
not not only can we be able to control the physical world in real time like we're doing now with automation so uh, you know controlling robotic systems and vehicles and cars and stuff like that but actually being able to um have different types of interfaces as well so uh instead of actually augmenting ourselves in terms of with, with devices like smartphones tablets and glasses uh, we'll find even tighter integration into the biological world um, between us as humans and and that digital world to blend those worlds together a bit tighter. Early days, early days, but there's a lot of uh, work going on in this area, but that's that's something to look out for. Okay, so you're thinking more about the next generation pacemaker versus a chip in my brain that feeds my Facebook right into my head. Yeah, I think there's lots of sci-fi fantasies out there, but there's some real world... Uh, applications um, for, you know, embedding kind of more different types of user interfaces in in terms of the biological sense. So whether it's augmenting, you know, eyesight or hearing uh, for those that may be impaired in those areas potentially as well. So that there's lots of different types of ways to, to to look at that. I think and really really exciting to look forward to. What are you looking forward to most for 2022? One of the key things will be a lot more, again, around uh, the collaboration of, of working together and, and making sure that the key topics around, uh, specifically in the industry around, you know, openness, um, you know, revenue generation and customer experience. There's, there's lots of activities uh, in those areas, I think, in, in 2022 that we've set the groundwork for in 2021 and moving forward there'll be a lot more collaborative work to be done um, in accelerating the opportunities in those areas overall and and you know I, I hinted kind of like at the the 5g advanced work you know that's that's still in its early stages but there's there's definitely um, some more traction I think that will happen throughout you know, the second half of next year in that area as well. So a a lot of work uh, to be done, but yeah, some really interesting times to look forward to. And if we're lucky, we might be able to have our next conversation in person. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the things that everyone is hoping for is like, how do we come together kind of, you know, for more face-to-face interactions? I think everyone recognizes, you know, how important that is. Um, And, you know, again, like I think through um, ensuring that that we collaborate together in the best possible way for the greater good is of paramount importance so that we can all conduct what we want to do both personally and professionally in the way we want to do it. See the future. Listen to what's next. Read about world-changing ideas. All by visiting nokia.com slash insights. The Future Rhythmic Podcast with Michael Hainsworth is a Nokia original series.